This is the Working Drummer Podcast. Working Drummer Podcast. Featuring ground level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music. Hey everyone, welcome to Working Drummer Podcast. I'm Zach Albetta. Today I am talking with Josh Harmon, who has gained viral popularity with his Rhythms of Comedy videos on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. In these videos, Josh syncs his innovative drumming with various comics and has also expanded into news personalities and movies. Before COVID, Josh was fresh out of college, living in New York, and pursuing drumming and comedy on parallel but separate tracks. He started making these videos as a way to delve further into both disciplines. At the time of this interview a couple weeks ago, Josh had around 300,000 followers between the three platforms, which is impressive enough, but since then, his latest video featuring a scene from the movie Ratatouille has exploded, doubling his Instagram followers to over 100,000, quadrupling his TikTok followers to over 1 million, racking up over 150 million views worldwide and becoming the most viewed drum TikTok of all time. This episode is sponsored by Sure Microphones, and they've teamed up with Focusrite to offer the new Drummer Bundle Track Pack. This is Focusrite's Scarlett 18i20 USB audio interface, paired with Sure's DMK5752 bundle, which is three SM57s and the Beta 52 kick mic, all on sale right now for $899. I've had that Scarlett interface for a while now, and I gotta say this preamp and interface in one is a great piece of gear. It's compact and solidly built with full and transparent sound. It's been a user-friendly vehicle for me to learn the nuts and bolts of tracking, and I'm getting some really high-quality professional results in the process. I also recently got that mic bundle from Shure. Obviously, the 57 and the Beta 52 are indispensable for recording drums, and as we've discussed with many of our guests, this kind of -of middle-of-the-road workhorse gear is not only capable of professional-quality sounds, it's often the best choice. Check out the link in this episode's show notes to learn more about this great deal from Shure. Last week marked the seventh and final installment in our series of segments with AirGig's founder David Blacker. We greatly appreciate AirGig's sponsorship and David's many insights about that platform and the remote tracking game in general. And you can check out all seven of these segments at once through our Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash working drummer and a donation in any amount gets you access to this and all the other professional development content we're featuring from our former guests. Once again, go to patreon.com slash working drummer. You ever hear how people refer to their grandparents? Oh, this is my Mima and my people. This is my pee-pee and my poo-poo. Ah. He's 95 years old. He fought in World War II. Stormed the beach at Normandy. Now his name is Beefy. What are you doing to the man? If you've seen any of Josh's videos, you know they're fun, funny, usually pretty lighthearted, and full of great drumming. So I expected this talk to revolve around comedy, social media, and the intersection of language and rhythm, all of which we get into. What I didn't quite expect is the very introspective and philosophical place Josh is working from. Part of this conversation ended up being about how to use the drums to communicate things even bigger than music and how the drum set can be the key for each of us to identify and express our truest self. 
Josh has wisdom beyond his 25 years in this regard, and in addition to being fun and funny, some of what he had to say was really pretty mind-blowing to me. While he's not a working drummer in the traditional sense that Matt and I and many of you and most of our guests are, his perspective on how drums and drumming can fit into the broader cultural landscape is really worth hearing, and it's led him to set himself up for some big, exciting professional and creative possibilities. So here we go. Hope you dig. Josh Harmon. So I graduated from school in 2018 from Amherst College, and then I was working uh, from like November of 2018 until the day the lockdown started. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I that ended i lost my job and then been with my parents yeah. yeah yeah man what was your job so i was in the nbc page program so if you've oh, seen wow. if you've seen 30 rock yeah i was like kenneth so <laughs> like running around getting stuff for people at snl like getting the coffee and like can i help you with anything that was me right right cool and you were playing uh yeah i was playing doing comedy doing improv um I actually got to take uh, a lesson with Sean Pelton. Cool. Which was like, made the whole thing worth it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Man, what a great dude he is. Amazing. I he, remember the, he, did a, he did a great interview on Drummer's Resource years ago um, and was just talking about how, you know, like, like uh, has been stated so many times by so many people that, you know, groove and feel is the most important thing. And he's like, the only thing. He's like, you know, look at me. I got, uh, I've, I've had a good career and I don't have the biggest, baddest chippity choppities, you know? <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh... So uh, you said you graduated from Amherst College in 2018. That makes you, what, 24? I'm 24. I'm about to turn 25 in a week. Okay, cool. Right on. Yeah. Um, and did you study music at Amherst or something else? Have, have we started yet? <laughs> we've, we've been going for... Before you got on, I was recording, man. Oh, the whole, yeah. Always recording. <laughs> always be recording. That's what I do with all just my personal phone calls, too. You got to record everything, you know? Because <laughs> you never listen know. Back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the only way to practice. You got to listen back. Right, right. Um, so yeah, I I went to Amherst and I studied French literature. No shit. Yes, wow. much to the chagrin of my whole family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just had a I don't know. I took French in high school, was good at it, and I never really thought that that's what I would end up doing. But I just really liked the professors. I really liked the classes, and I was able to do a thesis huh. uh, you know, last year. I went to France. I made a documentary on drummers in the French military and oh I visited it, it's, it was one of the coolest things I've ever done. I went to this, like this drum school in Brittany where I essentially took a drum lesson from the last great living grandmaster of the French military drum style. Wow. Which it's a very particular idiosyncratic style of military drumming. That's unlike anything else in Europe. And the documentary kind of explores why that is. And there's this one guy who like still knows how to do it. And he's deaf in one ear and it, he's uh, like, he can't walk and he's missing like the use of one of his hands. Like, he can't use one of his hands. So he can't play or hear. So he has another guy there. Who's like an assistant that helps him. Give oh the my lesson. God. It's crazy. The whole thing is crazy. Wow. 
This yeah. is insane. So like you've 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 sort of um opened the door to one of the questions I was gonna ask like way later in this process and, and hmm. we'll we'll get to you know, what it is you do and, and why we're talking to you. But one of the things I was wondering is like how, you know, what, what connections have you seen or, or learned about between, you know, uh, linguistics and music or, or, mm. uh, language and rhythm, whether that's, um, pertaining to, um, a, a certain language, a certain country or, um, you know, class or like, cause, cause, you know, with all those things, I I feel like uh, language and dialect has a direct influence on the music of that culture. Oh, definitely. So I, I'm seeing a, your your connection already. Like you, this was your major. You <laughs> like you were thinking about this before you went viral with uh, what you're doing now. Yeah, I think that it was always sort of on my mind, you know, I've been playing the drums since I was four, little baby. And I always loved to write. I always enjoyed sort of puzzling over language, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so the, and I, I really enjoyed learning other languages too. And it, every language, not that I speak that many languages, I really speak English and French. And then I like know a couple words and phrases in other languages, but they all have like a certain texture to them. Yeah. And a certain kind of rhythm, like Italian is so swinging, you know, <laughs> um, and or the way people talk down in New Orleans is kind of like how the music sounds. Totally. Sort of relaxed and, and, you know, it's not quite one thing. It's sort of in the, you know, in the crack, as Johnny Vodakovich says, right? Right, So right. it's the same thing. And I think it comes out in the way anyone plays. The drum is just like a megaphone to your personality, right? Mm. Mm -hmm. you I mean you can try to fake it and like pretend you're Tony Williams and whatever you know do whatever but you're gonna play who you are right right so if you know if you're if you love to like chop around like I, I bet people who like really like are just like insane technical choppers like that's part of their personality mm -hmm. someone who is really about you know some, take someone like Sean Pelton right yeah He's such a relaxed guy, such a, like such a chill person. He's really interested in what you have to say when you talk to him. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with the way he plays and the way he speaks English, right? Loose. He's like all about the groove and he makes other people sound good. And he's interested in what the guitarist is saying. He's interested in what the other, you know. Yeah. So it's the same thing. I have the drum. And that's what actually this guy said who I, in France, he said, I, like the first question I asked him, it was like, what, in your opinion, what is the drum? Like, what's the purpose of the drum? <laughs> we had a very esoteric conversation. Yeah, yeah. And he says, I mean, he's an eccentric guy. He says, the drum is a system. <laughs> Before anything else, it's a system used to express your thoughts in the back of your brain that you yourself might not even be aware of. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Well, yeah this interview is over i have to go lie down and think about that <laughs> <laughs> man that's amazing um so uh, i'm i'm trying to i'm trying to think of like what order to go in here um sure yeah you, like you so you graduate college you've got a degree in french literature you've done this project <laughs> about this this uh obscure french military drumming 
you're uh, you're working at NBC. Uh, you're, so you're a page at SNL. Yeah, I was. Well, in the page program, you cycle through different rotations. So I did, you know, a few months at NBC News. I worked on The Biggest Loser. Uh-huh. <laughs> I did like all kinds of different things. And then for a little bit, I, I was at SNL, and it was really it was really fun. And where, like, where does drumming fit into this at this point? Are you, are you in a, I think I saw you had like a, is it the Harmon Brothers band? Yes. That just looks, it looks like a party band. Is that what that was kind of? It's exactly right. So, um, my brother's two years older than me, my brother, Michael Harmon. He's the best musician that I know. He plays all different instruments. He has perfect pitch. He's like a genius. He can do anything. What an asshole. Yeah, yeah, I know. (laughs) Uh, and we went to the same college. And so when we were there, we just started this band to, so we could play at parties. And we, it was just all top 40 music, Motown music. And because he has such a good ear, we could take requests. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he would just shout out the chorus to everybody. People would shout something, oh, play this. And we would just do, you know, be like a jukebox. We could play anything or do live band karaoke. Mm-hmm. So that was the kind of thing that we did. And it's just a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, I was in that band and we played a few gigs in the city but really when i was working i didn't play very much drums at all and i've been playing drums my whole life and it was always sort of the way that i express myself it was the way that i relieve stress you have a tough day something's going on you know you get rejected by a girl you play it out on the drums and you feel better right that was at least the way i would process things i'm sure other drummers feel the same way yeah but then when i moved to new york city the drums is the worst instrument to play yeah. for someone living in a tiny New York apartment with neighbors and a job that works you around the clock. So I really was not able to play that much. And it felt like just a piece of my self had been taken away from me for the whole year and a half that I was living in New York city. I mean, I had a pad and stuff in my room. It's not the same. Right. So I, I started kind of getting just a little depressed, you know, I couldn't, if you want to go to a practice room, it's so expensive. It's crowded. You got to schedule it, you know, yeah. three days in advance, take the subway 40 minutes and then back. So I really didn't play that much for like a year and a half. And then when the pandemic hit and I moved back home, it was like, you know, it just felt amazing. I couldn't wait to get back to the drums. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So uh, at that time you just had kind of the same sort of, social media presence that most other people have um less i'm (laughs) i'm i've said this before to a lot of people i'm a really anti-social media guy who happened to become a social media guy yeah yeah uh like growing up i was never into facebook or anything Uh you know like i would see what's going on i had a facebook but i would never post statuses or a lot of pictures or anything um I never had a personal Instagram. I don't have Snapchat. I don't use LinkedIn. Right. <laughs> you know, I have one, but uh, I just don't really like social media. I have sort of a real, almost fear of it, skepticism. But uh, when I was home and I started making videos, I just wanted to put them somewhere. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Got it. Right. Um, so where did you learn how to play the drums? Because like watching your videos your facility is amazing especially with the brushes but you know like did you take lessons as a kid you didn't study this in college are you self-taught like where did all this come from thank you so (laughs) 
I, as I mentioned, well, here's the story of Josh becoming a drummer. <laughs> or at least the story that my mom tells me. Uh, so I was four years old and we went to a Chinese restaurant as a family. This is like maybe a classic story that other young drummers might have experienced. But I was a little baby. Like I was sitting, you know, like my feet wouldn't even touch the ground on the chair. And I, we were out at a restaurant and I was supposed to be on my best behavior and all that. And I took the chopsticks that were on the table at a Chinese restaurant. I just started tapping around on all the stuff. And my mom said, oh, my God, look to my dad. Our kid is a drummer. He plays the drums. Let's take him for drum lessons. So the next day, she takes me to the local music store, Milburn Music, where I'm from. And they said, no way. We're not going to take him. We don't teach kids until they're like eight or nine. Mm -hmm. He's too young. No way. Come back in five years. And my mom was very persistent. She just said, well, you should just listen to him play. Even though I had never touched a drum set, never really even seen a drum set, she just said, well, like, listen to him play, and then you'll change your mind. Because she had seen me, I guess, with the chopsticks. And always, like, we would listen to music in the car, and I would be, like, grooving to it as a baby. Right. And the story goes that in that music shop, then they let me onto the drum set. My feet didn't even touch the pedals. I was sitting in the chair. And apparently, I just played something. Like, I could, you know, I just sort of played. And then they took me on. Hmm. Like, I was sort of able to just do it. Yeah. That's the story. Um, the legend of right, <laughs> my right. first drum <laughs> I, I started taking drum lessons when I was four from just the local music teacher who mm -hmm. was just really, uh, you know, he was like a hard rock kind of guy. Yeah. He had a motorcycle, leather jacket, exactly who you want your four-year-old to can, hang out with. I can picture this guy. <laughs> I've, I've seen this guy in so many music stories. <laughs> I, uh, I don't even know what his last name was. I just know his name was JJ. <laughs> like we just called him JJ and we have no idea what his last name was, but he used to come to our house, uh, every week in his motorcycle, leather jacket. And he would just like have me play along to records, wow. hard rock, like Metallica, like black Sabbath, like right. intense rock. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, which now that's not at all what I like or want to play, but that's where I started. Yeah. Um, and then, so it just kind of just kind of went from there. I was taking drum lessons, and he taught me how to read music a little bit, and but really he just taught me how to have an ear. And all we would do in the lessons, he would put on a song, and then I would try to replicate it. The drill that I remember him teaching me, my four-year-old self, he's like, "All right, we're going to do something called the repeat game, where he would play something, I'd play it back." And then he would just keep making them longer and longer and longer. And when you're so when you're four, you have that neuroplasticity, right? So I just absorbed this like a sponge. And I don't know if this guy is like an actual great drummer uh -huh. or who he was or what, but he just did, he just put this thing in my brain, the repeat game where he, he would play something, you know, the first one was probably just eighth notes or whatever, playback. And then he would play something a little longer, a little more syncopated, playback. And we just kept making him longer and longer and longer until I could, you know, play back a whole song after hearing it one time. Right. Right. And that was all we did in the lessons. Wow. So is that the process that you follow when you're now creating these videos? Is it just like a repeat game? Are you writing these things out? Are you orchestrating them like Neil Peart did, did with his parts? Like, what's your process now? Did he do that? Yeah. I'm the, again, the legend has it that, that Neil like physically wrote out all of his drum parts. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. I didn't know that. He's yeah. one of, he was like my first ever drum hero. Sure. Yeah. I mean, he was for so many people. 
Right. And I but, think, you know, most most people know that, like, he, you know, he created those drum parts and, and played them the same way every time for every show and, and twas ever thus. But I'm I'm pretty sure that he also, like, wrote it down. Well, I also like Neil Peart because he loved to read. Yeah. And loved you know, to write. Yeah. And loved to write. I'm the same way. I, I'm into, as I mentioned, literature, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So there's a connection there. I don't know exactly what it is, but <laughs> I identify with Neil Peart for yeah, that. Yeah, it's there. Um, but with these rhythms of comedy things, I I don't write anything down. Um, the way, the process for doing it, first, I try to find a good clip where the joke or the scene is totally self-contained. So right. you don't need context. Right. But I try not to worry about having it be some sort of rhythmic clip or anything. I just take a good joke and then I work off that. Mm-hmm. And I'll reveal my big secret here on the Working Drummer podcast. Please. So essentially, and this I got this from an interview with Max Weinberg talking about playing with Bruce Springsteen. He said, the drummer's job is to support the singer. That's the most important thing. Make the singer sound good. Make the words and the meaning of the song amplified. And so everyone gets it and it feels good. Mm-hmm. So I treat the comedian or whoever I'm drumming along to as a singer. And by that logic, it's a, it becomes a song. So I put on the clip and I dance to it. Hmm. <laughs> it's really embarrassing <laughs> looking weird. Yeah. Thing. When, when are we going to see this video, man? <laughs> I know I, uh, I should do, I should really do some behind the scenes, but what I do is essentially, so you take a clip of John Mulaney, which was one of the first ones I did. He's saying, you know, sometimes when people order fries, they act like it's a little adventure. They'd be like, should we get a plate of fries for the table? Should we do it? Should we share some fries? So that's, you know, the first part of the joke. I take that section into a garage band or whatever, and just let it play a little bit. And I just, I'm not holding any drums, not at the drum set, or not holding any drumsticks, not at the drum set. I just listen to it, and I kind of just let my body figure it out for me. And I dance to it like I'm listening to a record. And that helps me make a musical choice when I go to do it. Because I had seen other people do this kind of thing, you know, like David Dockery, brilliant. People like Charles Cornell or Mono Neon Mm -hmm. doing this kind of thing, speech to rhythm, speech to music. I wanted to take a really musical approach and make really musical choices, restrained choices, where I'm I'm not always trying to catch every word they say. I'm just trying to find the through line of what the overall lyrical quality is right i've noticed that about about your videos is that it's it's not like a word for word syllable for syllable recreate like sometimes it is for certain sections but there's a lot of other sections when like what what you're playing is not the same as what they're saying it's sort of a go you know it's something to go along with what they're saying yeah that's the idea i'm just trying to make make it feel good that's all. Right. Uh, and also, I'm sort of a, a studious kind of person. I started doing this because I am also a comedian, and I've done stand-up, and I would always record myself and listen back, the way I do with every phone call. <laughs> uh, and I would listen back, and I would be like, oh, my God, why am I so bad? Why am I terrible at stand-up comedy? My jokes on paper, I think, are pretty funny. You know, when I'm with my friends, I'm pretty funny. Everyone laughs. And it was the delivery. My mm-hmm. delivery was terrible. Mm-hmm. It had no rhythm. I was just sort of getting up there and mumbling through the jokes. 
And so I started doing this as a way to study, you know, study the greats the same way you would do with drums. Wow. Yeah. But I'm just doing it in an interdisciplinary way. So I never really expected anyone to watch it. I just sort of was doing it because I thought it was interesting and I thought it would help me become a better comedian. Wow. That's, that's amazing. It's, it's cool what you said about, uh, dancing too. It reminded me of an interview I did a while back with, uh, a drummer named Dusty Simmons lives in Richmond, Virginia. Fantastic drummer plays with, um, Chris, uh, damn it. I can't remember his name. Anyway, just like a really greasy soul, funky drummer. And he talked about how, like, especially when he's, um, sort of creating creating a drum part for something he thinks about like okay if i if i were going to dance how would i dance to this and yeah. that movement like informs uh w- you know what comes out of him on the drums you know he puts himself in these sort of different dances behind the drums and that uh that affects like the overall feel of everything he does totally and in my personal life i've always find that i i think a lot you know i second guess myself i is this the right thing to do is this the right thing to say should i have done that but when i play the drums and people always say that josh when you're at the drums it's like you're a different person hmm. you you suddenly become very attractive <laughs> uh, but when i'm at the drums it's my that's my time where i'm not thinking with my brain mm-hmm I just, I enjoy that very much. It's my favorite part about it. Or it's, it's not a mental exercise. It's a spiritual exercise. It's a physical exercise, soulful exercise. And that's, so I take the same approach to this kind of rhythms of comedy thing, or it's not, it's not about this. It's not about, oh, this is a nested triplet, uh, five, four time. And I'm going to transcribe this. No, it's not about that. And the same thing with like, what, why, is a comedian that you like so good. You know, why do you love Dave Chappelle more than you would like, I don't know, Bill Burr? Or why do you read a certain book and really like this author? It's just about the way it moves you. Yeah. It's just about the way the words feel, something about the way this person says it. Even though all these amazing comedians are so funny, you may have one that you gravitate towards a little more. And it's just like, you know, in the Beatles song, something in the way she moves. <laughs> it's just something about the way that it moves you. Yeah. So I try to do that. With uh, that's what I'm trying to bring out. Yeah, yeah. The, what you mentioned about you know why do you gravitate towards certain comics? Um, it's it's like if you know if, if you read everybody's stuff just on paper, then uh, you know that's certain things are going to pull you just in terms of their content, right? Certain things are going to yeah. resonate. But then beyond that, like you mentioned with with your own comedy, like it's the delivery that puts it over the top, and and the delivery. And a person's, uh, you know, tone and inflection and rhythm and everything they do, like, that's what really makes you gravitate towards a certain comedian, I think. I absolutely agree. And it's the same thing with drummers, right? Um, Why is Steve Jordan so good playing two and four? Right. Same thing that everyone else could play on his drum set. You could play with his sticks. His mics, like the whole thing, it won't sound like Steve Jordan. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I think it's the same concept. Like two comedians could tell the same joke 
and totally different. Yeah. I've told this story before, but I heard uh, Bill Burr doing an interview because um, he's like a weekend warrior drummer, as I'm sure you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and he was talking about like, you know, Bonham is his guy. Bonham is his hero. And uh, he he just spent shitloads of money getting all of like the same gear. He was like, I just wanted to sound like Bonham so bad. So I got the I got the Vista Light drums, you know, the Ludwig Vista Lights with the big 26 inch bass drum. And I got the Peisty cymbals and I even got the same hardware he had. And you know what I still sounded like? Me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's the other thing, which I think is a good lesson to tell Bill Bird the next time you talk to him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's good. You want to sound like you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You don't, I don't like, I mean, I would, if I could play exactly like John Bottom, I would take it. Right. I'm not gonna, <laughs> but I would prefer maybe just, I guess my all time dream as a drummer, if I was playing on a record or something would be for someone to go, Oh, that sounds like Josh. That's yeah. a Josh crew. That's, you know, that's the best. I like an escalator, man, because an escalator can never break. It can only become stairs. <laughs> All right. There would, there would never be an escalator temporarily out of order sign. Only an escalator temporarily stairs. <laughs> Sorry for the convenience. In sort of like superimposing uh, yourself onto other voices, literally, um, what have you discovered about your sound and what your sound is or what it could be? It's a great question. And it's a work in progress. As, I think, as it is with all of us. Um, I suppose I've learned different things about drumming and comedy from doing these videos on the comedy side i've learned how important it is to have a good delivery and to think about that a lot and do it purposefully like the video i did for hannah gadsby one of my favorite performers yeah right after i posted that one i got a message from her manager who get this also went to Amherst and was also a French literature major. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and keep in mind, there were three of us in the whole school who had that. Wow. But she was six years before me or more. And she said, Hannah just saw this video and she loves it because when she was getting ready to do this special, she worked out her delivery of all the jokes by drumming on her thighs no and shit. figuring out the rhythm. Wow. And she... And the way you did that particular joke was exactly the way she had drummed it to herself. Wow. That's insane. So it's something that I imagine good comedians really think about. Mm -hmm. So that I've learned that about comedy. And then on the drumming side, what I've learned is that it's always better to play less. The <laughs> less you play, the better it is. Yep. Just, I think that's it. Um, and I really, sometimes on these videos, I'm tempted. You know, I've been playing for so long. I can play really fast singles. I can do all kinds of things. And I used to play like that. Like I watch videos of myself from high school or, or whatever. I'm just like, just, you know, like vomiting onto the drums. Like, <laughs> just like all yeah. the time. It's, it's terrible. I'm so embarrassed, but <laughs> it just comes with growing up, I guess. But right, yeah, right. I go, when I'm making these, I go through, like I 
sort of figure out, okay, well, here's like the tempo and the feel of it. And then I just try to play different things and figure out, okay, maybe this, maybe I'll do it like this. You can stretch it and kind of, and I try to have it match up with what the character is or what the joke is about. So if someone's being, you know, really like the Brooklyn Nine-Nine one, who's like, rule number three, we're not going to have sex. So I did that like kind of like a marching thing, like a new rule, kind of, you know. Right, right. Uh, authority kind of sound. So I figure those things out. And every time where I'm like, oh, you know, it'd be so cool if I just like threw in like quick, like rip around the drums to get to the next part. And then I always end up taking that out. Right. Yep. So, yep. Because it distracts, it distracts from the singer, distracts from the vocalist. Yeah. It's not about you. Right. So you just reminded me of something else I, I wanted to ask you about. Like, are you familiar with the term text painting? No. Okay. So it's, it's a term that's used in, um, like musicology, uh, in, okay. if you're, you know, analyzing, uh, a, a, a classical score or something. And it's, it's the idea of like a musical representation of a word, Right. Hmm. So like if like a, a really simplistic example would be like if in the middle of a jazz song, there's the word bell, you would hit like the bell of the symbol. Like that's an example of text painting. Oh, OK. Right. So uh, it, it sounds like you're, you're kind of touching on that with your with with your videos, like taking figuring out some sort of musical uh, drumistic representation of either the the actual text or the sort of the implication of the text like you mentioned it with like rules military structure um mm -hmm. so like have you are, are there other examples of that that you've sort of uh the off the top of your head you you remember doing that is very interesting i never knew it was called that but that is something i think about with every single one um te text painting text painting yeah there's uh, one of the videos where someone says the word bell. I hit the bell. I forget. Um, <laughs> it's an easy one for us. <laughs> yeah. There's uh, or like some. There's one where someone says hat, and I do a little hat. You mm -hmm. know, um, just a little. That's I. It's kind of just fun for me. But the one I did with Fran Lebowitz. Oh shit! That one was so great. God, Fran Lebowitz okay, has no time for anyone. It's so great. <laughs> I'm working on, um, yes, well, for that one, that's a similar thing. She has such strong opinions. So it was mostly snare drum based. Mm -hmm. And I kind of had traditional, I was using traditional grip because she's a traditional kind of person. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was the inspiration for that one. I mean, I've done, I've done like 30 of these. So I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Um, I see it popping up in your videos. So it's just, it's a cool, it's a cool, uh, idea to to explore and you know you you have the um sort of the platform and the medium to to really explore that um in a in a literal way sometimes um mm -hmm. but it it just got me thinking about all the ways that that drummers can do that in more subtle ways or more sort of oblique ways that maybe even only they know about but it's just stuff that kind of makes what we do more interesting and more engaging to us um yeah and, oh yeah. like in the um in the amanda gorman one yeah. which isn't comedy my first dramatic role right <laughs> you crossed over man <laughs> i crossed over i'm a serious artist now right, no right. more laughs you no and, more haha -ha you and jim this is serious and robin williams You're <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um so in that one right different kind of tonality I'm using brushes and then she says 
And then we will, you know, emerge battered and beautiful. And when she says battered, I take the brush and I press into it, press into the drum, mm-hmm. like with the brush, you know, like right. that. So I was like battering the head. Like, yeah, you get that uh, like. Prrr. Yeah, um, which is something I, I first saw Max Roach do. Max Roach, huge inspiration yeah, of mine. Me too. Um, you know, he did that thing where he played along to I Have a Dream. Right, right. Different kind of thing than what I do, but still amazing. And uh, when I was in college, I used to do Mr. Hi-Hat, like at talent shows and things mm-hmm. that Max, you know, that so he does, where he does all kinds of stick tricks. Yeah. And uh, Steve Smith also used to do that. And he was a big inspiration when I was younger. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that kind of thing. I feel like people like Max Roach and yeah, he's a, he's a good example. I can't think of anyone else off the top of my head. There's there's storytellers with the drums. Yeah, for sure. And I'm always trying to figure out a way to do something that's more than just playing the drums, uh-huh. you know, and try to push it, elevate it. Well, just a little bit more. When I was at Amherst, I played in the jazz band and this is not as, you know, artful or serious as Max Roach, <laughs> but, uh, it, it was not a great jazz band. I'll just say that it was just like, a hang. it was just like a hang, right, you know, right. like we were all friends in the band. We would go, Twice a week, and just sort of honk on these big franchises. <laughs> but it was a ton of fun. We had a great time. And we would do concerts throughout the semester. But since we never really got any of the charts together, the director of the band would always be like, okay, and then we're going to have Josh do a 10-minute drum solo. And that'll take us a, like, that'll fill oh, up the God. hour. <laughs> every time. Wow. Every single time. And we were doing multiple of these, you know, every semester. Without fail. So we'd be, you know, like in the solo section of a chart and be like, you know what guys, let's have Josh just open it up, open drum solo here every time. So, Jeez. and it was always the same people who were coming to these concerts, the, you know, the, who is going to the big band concert in college, right? It's the same crowd every time. Right. And so I would have all these drum solos and I just wanted to keep it fresh and he would really have me go for a long time. And so I started doing things that weren't, I wouldn't like the drum solos, some, like over time, and I was in the band for four years, I wouldn't even play the drums during the drum solo. Like the drum solo became, like I, I did magic during one of the solos, <laughs> right? Or I would, you know, I would get up and walk around the stage and like talk to people as a drum solo or, or you know, like stomp around, play on like other people's music stands blindfold myself just like do all kinds of crazy things right juggle <laughs> just like things that aren't drums but within the context of a drum solo and i found that to be a lot of fun and very interesting as a as like a, an expression of something where it was just sort of silly and goofy but people would when i would play the drums or do these things it would get laughs or reactions or, you know, gasps sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, you know, it wasn't always drums per se, but I felt like I was sort of saying something without really saying words. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. And so I try to take that into the, whenever I'm playing the drums. What am I trying to say? Huh. Interesting. And like that reminds me, I mean, you you talked about your your background in, in comedy and especially sketch comedy. Like, mm-hmm. and I, I feel like, 
in the context of these drum solos you were doing, that background and just that sort of disposition gave you a, a fearlessness that a lot of us don't have. I don't know if it's fearlessness or like a lack of ego or just a fuck it, let's see what happens. Or, or you know. too much ego. <laughs> where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play for 10 minutes while everybody watches and I'm going to walk around with a towel on my head. <laughs> sure, no. sure. Right. Yeah. But like, you know, I think a, a lot of... Um, a lot of drummers, especially, uh, you know, we, we grow up watching just, you know, the most amazing solos by our favorite drummers. Um, and, you know, we want to aspire to that, however unrealistic it may be for our stage in, in uh, life. Um, but you you just sort of brought this uh, this sort of like <laughs> guerrilla improv comedy uh, mentality to a drum solo and that led you to uh, some really fun, cool, uh, effective stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I, thank you. It's very nice. Uh, <laughs> so my, my favorite drummers, I have two camps that kind of come together. Mm -hmm. So on the one side, Ringo, Bernard Purdy, Steve Jordan, Steve Gadd, that crowd, mm -hmm. groove master, simple, and then on the other side, it's, you know, people like Sonny Greer mm -hmm. or um, like Buddy Rich, like real showman, Max pa Roach. Papa doing Joe those Jones. Papa Joe Jones. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, where he's just got the big smile on his face and he's being funny. Right. He's, when you watch Souls of Him, you laugh. Yep. Right. Totally. totally. He is being funny purposefully. Yep. He's, that is, there, there's an emotion behind it. There's humor. Absolutely. And that's a huge inspiration of mine. Um, when and, you know he's, he throws these like cheeky glances around oh, yeah. at, at people, you know, or he's, or, you know, he's like, "Oh, watch this," and then he like you know does whatever, uh, like he swirls the brushes around. I love that kind of thing. Yeah. Um. So I, when I'm playing a song, or I'm in a studio or something, I'm not doing that. But when I'm on stage, I like to be a showman. Yeah, absolutely. It's not during the music, but maybe during a drum solo or during a good moment. Right. Because those other drummers like, you know, Ringo and, and Steve Gadd and, and Steve, uh, uh, Jordan. Council uh, of Steve's. <laughs> indeed. Um, you know, they're, uh, like, like you said with, with Max Weinberg, like it's, you're there to support the, the singer. And if, if you're trying to be a showman, you know, apart from what you're playing, if you're trying to be a showman with your face or your sticks or, or whatever, that's going to detract from the music. But you will have an opportunity. There is a time and a place to be a showman. Um, and I, like I would put, you know, R Ringo is kind of like in those he's he's the one switch hitter in that camp, <laughs> you know. Mm. Well, and I think Purdy, too, like you mentioned Sonny Greer and Papa Joe, how like they're being funny on the drums but like Ringo did that for sure I think I think yeah. Purdy Purdy does that for sure um and uh like, Chambers kind of does it too do you think or he yeah he'll like you know when he will look at someone if someone's watching him play or you know he's, he's got a bandmate there and he'll just do like insane crossovers while looking at the other person <laughs> You know, he, he's not looking at what he's doing. He's just doing like the craziest single stick you've ever seen. And yeah. he's just like, I can keep going. I can keep going if you want. Yeah. Yeah. And there was that famous thing he did uh, that was like, um, 
oh man, maybe it was a modern drummer festival or something, but like he kind of like broke he broke it down in the middle of his solo and he was doing this thing where like his his left foot was playing the left double kick pedal and the hi-hat at the same time. And he just he kept like this triplet rhythm going with his yeah. feet and just like grabbed a towel and wiped off his face and took a drink of water and like his feet are just going like like you know and that yeah. got that got one of the biggest reactions of the whole solo like he's like I'm just gonna take a break with my hands. <laughs> um, I, so I read that as he is satirizing himself. Mm, yeah, when he's doing that, and that's funny. Mm-hmm. He's being self-deprecating. It's not because everyone knows like Dennis Chambers, you can play anything. He's sort of poking fun at that. Yeah, I think. Yeah, um, which is why it's so funny. Right. You know, another drummer who's who's kind of like this is uh, Indugu Chancellor. Now that I'm thinking, yeah, about it. like he had such a personality behind the kit that went beyond what he was playing. You know, and it was it was funny. It was kind of self-deprecating. It was kind of celebratory. It was just like this big shining personality behind the kit. Well, it's exactly what we were talking about earlier. You play who you are, right? Yeah, the drum is yeah. just like, it's a communication device and it communicates your spirit out in a way that maybe you can't express with words. No matter what you do, you're going to play like you. Yeah. Right? So, um, you know, take someone like like Elvin Jones or Tony Williams, who are just like the baddest motherfuckers ever. Right. Like that's how they play, right. you know? And I'm sure in conversation, they're the same way. Mm-hmm. I never talked to them, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure that when you talk to Elvin Jones, he was like a, you know, at times I'm sure he was funny, but I bet also he was like a serious dude who, or a spiritual kind of sure seer person, yeah, right, yeah, just who you are. And I think Tony Tony Williams, like I'm I'm reminded of a story that that again may or may not be true, but like you know his playing was just so intense, um, yeah, and uh, like I don't know. I don't want to psychoanalyze him and say that there was like anger in him, but I heard this story about how uh, he was given a clinic and somebody asked him about brushes and he said, uh, I feel like the brushes were invented by someone who hates drummers, like some (laughs) fucking club owner, (laughs) you know, like I flashed to that story about Tony when I, when you were talking about like, you're going to play your personality. And when Tony plays like, he is not there you don't to think, fuck around uh, at all. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> when you listen to Tony Williams drum solo, you're not like, oh, what a nice guy. Right. Or like or Ginger Baker, right? Yeah, listen yeah. like go, 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 go. You're not like, wow, you know, I'd love to just hang out with him, see what's going on like, in his head. Right. No. Oh, these man. are guys who are there to destroy. Yes. You know? Yeah. And it's just who they are. And that's what makes it great. Right. If you're I think if you're able to play like you which you do naturally, but it's just, if you can get out of your own way and be like, okay, well, this is who I am for me. I'm, I'm kind of a goofy kind of silly guy. I like to be fun. I don't take myself very seriously. That's how I play. But I also really enjoy, you know, serving the music and like the same thing when you do improv comedy, uh, where you support other people's decisions, you try to make everyone else funny, seem funny. And that makes you funny. Right. Someone's in a scene says, Oh, uh, we got to get back to like the space station. Otherwise we're going to run out of oxygen. You don't say, well, actually we're at a basketball game. Right. Right. It's, <laughs> um, it's yes. And <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, all my, all my friends are rolling their eyes. We're talking about yes. And but <laughs> it's the same thing, right? Someone's playing 
bossa nova, you don't do a blast beat. <laughs> right. Similar, that's an extreme, but it's a similar, you know, you could apply that to anything. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we've we've talked ad nauseum on the podcast I have about, you know, in this in this process of, of um, you know, ho- like discovering and honing your sound um, and your style. Uh, I've I've talked a lot about the physical aspects of that. Right. Because mm. every everybody I mean, you kind of mentioned it with you when you were talking about dance, like everybody has certain ways that they move. Some people move faster than others. You have there are certain things on the drums that just feel natural to you. And part of part of figuring out your sound is like leaning into that. Right. Um, but I haven't thought as much or at all uh, about um what you said about like it's 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 about your personality like what kinds of music what kinds of playing what kinds of drumming um align with your personality away from the drums and yeah if you're trying to superimpose some style of drumming onto your playing that doesn't align with just like what you're made of as a person you know like you talked about you know papa joe is 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 funny and goofy and a showman and tony is intense and whatever so like if 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 you're trying to sound like Tony Williams, but you have a Papa Joe personality, <laughs> like yeah. those things are are going to clash. Yeah, I. So what I didn't realize, I talked about this earlier when I was working in New York City, and I didn't. I basically didn't play drums except for when I had a gig for like a year. Mm-hmm. I actually got a lot better at the drums during that time hmm. when I wasn't practicing as much, when I wasn't shedding you know, singles between my right hand and right foot and, you know, left foot clave. When I stopped doing that, I got way better when I then came back to the drums because during that time I was doing a lot of journaling. I was thinking about what I wanted to do with my life, thinking about who I was. I was living on my own really for the first time and like figuring out myself and my personality. And that made me a better drummer than any exercise I've found online or anything any teacher ever showed me that is what really i think improved my musicianship and so that's what i would recommend i guess to anyone who's like oh man what like what should i work on today in the practice room maybe start off with like five minutes of free writing right Right. yeah Work on just work like on you. Out, <laughs> yeah. Work on you because you is is the person that is playing the drums. So like work yeah. on you and then address the drums. I know you're not allowed to say this anymore or anything or it's everything. Anyone's an artist. People, you know, go to court. You know, I can't make a cake for a gay couple wedding cake because the cake is my art. Aside from the political aspect of that, which is reprehensible, there's also the aspect I have news for you, Mister. So like, you know, if you can like say, I don't have that and a cup of coffee, that's not art. That's a snack. This changed my life. This one sentence that Steve Gadd said, someone asked him, I think it's that clip where he's playing on that box with the brushes. Mm-hmm. You know, have you seen that? Yes. Bye Bye Blackbird. Yes. Yes. And someone says, Steve, how do you keep such good time? Like, how do you work on your time and your feel? And he said, well, all you have to do is think about it. <laughs> And then he was, I, I was walking around that day and I, all you have to do is think about it. All you have to do is just think about it. And he's kind of right. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to get like perfect time the way some of these people have that you see on Instagram or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if you just think about it, 
it works. Yeah. Right. Um, like if you just, like, let's say you're playing a record or you're playing a song and it's just, you're just thinking about, okay, well with an objective, like I'm going to, I'm thinking about, I want to play with good time. It, your time just becomes better because suddenly you're not thinking about, Oh, you know what? I want to, I want to show off this thing. I want to, you know, make sure I get this, this left-hand pattern that I learned in there. If you just, you just think about it, you think about who you are and what you want to say and your drumming improves instantly. And that's so like, I'm, I'm thinking about every video of Gad I've ever seen. Like you, you have never seen Gad play, um, where you feel like he's phoning it in. Like never 100% of his focus and energy is on what he's playing and the music that's on stage, like just 100% at all times. And that's one of the things that makes him gad. Um, the, the thing about gad that really throws me is that he has like five licks, right? Right. Right. And he sort of reminds me, he's kind of like Bernie Sanders of drumming. Yeah. <laughs> well, Bernie Sanders has been saying the same thing for 40 years yep he has this he has a platform this is what bernie sanders is about and he's going to tell you and he believes it with a hundred percent every molecule in his body thinks what that yes, right yes steve gad it's the same thing mm-hmm. he's been saying the same five things yep. for his whole career and people can't get enough right right and it's because still he seems, just, he, it still seems brand new like you know <laughs> right what like what you know when, it's, when it's when as bernie relevant started, as ever right when bernie started saying those things 40 years ago it was like what holy shit really and that's what people th- saw when they first saw gad and 40 years later everybody is still like oh my god of course yeah yes right really wow mm-hmm. amazing <laughs> you know uh maybe instead of like doing all this crazy stuff we have to think about like the simpler problems <laughs> and that'll fix everything else. Right. Right. Backbeats, healthcare, the simple yeah. shit, <laughs> man. But I, I, I love thinking about drums that way because it's just a way of, I don't know. The drums to me, is just, it's like a weird thing. It's like, why are these sounds? Like, what do they mean? Like, why did, why does, why does anyone like the way this sounds? Mm-hmm. Like, I like it cause I'm a drummer and I, you know, and drummers speak this language, but like, what does this mean to anyone else? Like the sound of a symbol and the, like, it's like a weird thing. Why are these the sounds that, but it's because of the way it just communicates stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And we, as drummers, you know, overanalyze the, um, uh, the, the technical aspects, the, the gear aspects of it, like, and, and, you know, in some cases rightfully so, because that's, that's what, what we do is made of right those are the building blocks of it but i think what you're what you're saying is is beyond that like to the average listener or to a non-drummer musician you know it's just this kind of weird mysterious alchemy um mm-hmm. and and it's up to us to to know how to work that alchemy um but uh yeah like staying staying in touch with just kind of the the intangible like what makes this feel good not how fast do these 16th notes have to be like, just what is going to make this feel good? Right. I took, I used to study with a guy named Bob Wiener. who's a drummer. He played with Harry Belafonte and mm-hmm. he's a really interesting guy, very spiritual kind of person. And one of the best lessons I did with him, and he showed me all this stuff about Afro Cuban rhythms and, you know, African, stuff like rhythms from Ghana, all this stuff, which gave my playing sort of that earthiness that was lacking in it. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm 
uh, suburban kid from New Jersey. <laughs> um, but I showed up to a lesson one time and I was like, Bob, I don't know if I can do a lesson today. Like, I'm really stressed out. I got two exams. Um, my girlfriend wants to break up with me. I'm having a tough, I'm like having a really tough time. Can we just reschedule? And he said, no, no, this is the perfect time for you to play. Let's go. And then we went down to the drums and then I was like getting all, all set. And he's like, hold on, let's actually go. And then there's a door right by like into the, his drum room, which went outside into his garden. And we walked out into the garden and he had me do 10 minutes of Tai Chi, <laughs> which I was like, okay, come on. Like this right. is a little hippie dippy for me. Right. But he was just like, while you're doing this, just like think about everything that's going on in your life. Just think, just, just think about it. Try to feel it. And like, don't be upset if you feel a certain way about it. Just think about it and move your body with it. And then we went back to the drums and he's like, all right, play drum solo. And that was pretty profound. Yeah. Yeah. What came out? And he didn't. And I played with like, at first I was like, come on, like, what, what is this? And he's like, no, come on. Like, just play, play, play how you feel, play what's going on. What's, what's, tell me what's going on. And so I, you know, started off like kind of timid, kind of tinkering around like snare drum, like, you know, in different symbols kind of gently. And then it just like this rush of feeling came out where I was just like suddenly like hitting the symbols really hard and just like ripping around. Cause I had so much like stress and rage. Yeah. And I don't, and I, I don't know. I played for like 20 minutes straight, huh. just going, going, going. Wow. And it was, a, I don't really remember if it was musically great or not, but then afterwards he just looked at me and he said, Oh, I, I get it. I understand what's going on. Like nice talking. <laughs> wow. So, but that, that was cool. I, like he he recognized immediately. Like no, this is the perfect time for you to play. Like you are stripped to the studs right now. You're totally raw. So we're gonna find yeah. out who the fuck you really are behind the drums. Right. And that I mean, that's something, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, it's deep stuff. And I. So I, I think about that a lot too. I took another lesson with a guy named Tommy Campbell, who is a great drummer. And he had me, I don't know how I've ended up with all these people who have like alternative approaches, but he had me do, like we spent half the lesson doing breathing exercises mm -hmm. just to sort of relax into the, into the feel of it. So all of that stuff, if you can take, forget about like Jojo Mayer has a quote, it's like, if you want to play, if you want to play like technical things, you have to exercise. If you want to play music or no, if you want to play exercises, you have to practice. And if you want to be a musician, you have to play. I forget the quote. I, th but it's I, something think, like, I know where you're going. It's yeah, it, <laughs> right? it makes sense. Just it makes sense. Try to approach the drums, not as a drummer, but just as a person. We will rebuild, reconcile and recover in every known nook of our nation in every corner called our country. Our people diverse and beautiful will emerge battered and beautiful. When day comes, we step out of the shade of flame and unafraid. The new dawn blooms as we free it. For there is always light if only we're brave enough to see it. If only we're brave enough to be it. 
we've been having this uh, sort of like esoteric uh, conversation about uh, drums and personality and, and the psyche and the ego. Uh, and, and I want to now delve into the bullshit world of social media and just okay. <laughs> ask you a, a few things about social sure. media. Um, sure, sure. So you've, you've amassed, uh, I don't know, close to like a quarter million followers between Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Um, mm-hmm. And... Uh, we've talked a lot about Instagram. Uh, you know, most of most drummers are on uh, Instagram and some have some sort of presence there. I know next to nothing about TikTok. Um, what can you tell people about uh, how musicians and and drummers, especially, can utilize TikTok and how it might differ from something like Instagram or Facebook? So, again. I'm no social media expert. I've learned a lot as I've been doing this and you kind of figure things out. But really, I just started putting the videos on TikTok because when I I put one on Instagram, it got blocked for copyright. Mm -hmm. And I was was kind of upset because I'd spent so long making this video. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I wanted, it was a good thing. I wanted to show it to people. So... I guess I'm not an artist who makes things just for art's sake. I would have been content to just have it on my computer. I wanted to publish it. <laughs> right. Uh, and someone said, oh, just put it on TikTok. There's no copyright re- legislation there. It's like no reg- no regulation. It's totally open season, Wild West. You can wow. post anything. Yeah, yeah. And so I just put it there without really thinking much of it. And then it just exploded. Hmm. So I would say TikTok is a really powerful tool and platform because your videos get shown to people who don't follow you. Mm-hmm. On Instagram, it's tough to get new followers because it, your stuff only gets shown to people who already follow you. Right. TikTok is great because it's easy to reach a new audience. The thing is, is that, uh, you know, what is that audience? It's, it's like, you know, a lot of 12 year olds. Right. <laughs> uh, but I think it's a really. It's a, it can be good. I actually have been using it less and less, just because it's, it becomes very overwhelming. Uh-huh. Like as soon as you open, as soon as you open the app, you're watching like the videos just start playing, <sighs> and yeah. you can lose you can lose a half hour just from you know it's very it's designed to be addicting. So it sounds so like to, I mean with something like IG or Facebook, like you have to actually scroll right, like you have to kind of go to the next thing in most cases, but TikTok just goes for you, like you just sit there and it. Just, well, you you scroll, but the video plays as soon as you open the app like it's and it's the videos are designed to be addicting everything about it is designed to keep you on the app for as long as possible and it's also designed so that if you are a creator it's designed the same way so it rewards you the more content you put on there the more time you spend on the app i don't like that yeah it's not and i also don't like so let me tell you what i don't like i'll tell you what i like yeah so what i don't like is that people go crazy for the algorithm Mm mm-hmm and it's the same thing on Instagram or any of these social media things. They're algorithm driven, even YouTube. And there are certain things you can do to optimize the video's performance algorithmically. Uh, you know, you should film it this way, light it this way. Uh, you should hook hook the person in the first two seconds of the video and keep it, you know, behave a certain way. Jesus. And uh, because of that, and everyone's trying to go viral everyone's trying to get followers everyone's content slowly steadily becomes very similar uh-huh. that's what i've noticed As, especially if you go on youtube now 
every YouTube channel that's, you know, newish or starting out or it's just, all sound the same to me. Yeah. Everyone's like, Hey guys, what's up? Like today I, I am, I'm going to the grocery store and I'm going to do this crazy thing. Yeah. And then like, you, yeah. every video is like the same length. It sounds the same. Everybody's talking the same way. I'm seeing it happen is, in drum videos too, like on IG. And this is not everybody, but like how common is it on IG to just like, you know, you're, you're scrolling and then a, a video starts of a drummer and there's like, you know, a 10th of a second when he winds up and then it goes like, it's just fucking to the max intensity right away. And I'm like, Oh Jesus, no, keep going. (laughs) But I think like what you're, what you're talking about, the, you know, these algorithms are designed to recognize certain attributes in like the first two seconds of a video. Um, like you're saying, sort of results in this homogenization of uh, content. That's a great way to put it. Um, so, and I, the, I said this in another interview, but the, I think the algorithms are like modern day deities almost. <laughs> people don't know exactly what to do to please them, you know? And so like they do, and people claim to know, Right. They're like, oh, I know the secret of the algorithm. You have to update your Instagram story 5,000 times a day and wear red and do like, right. you know. Yeah. And it can become dangerous where people say, oh, you know, do something outrageous. Eat a Tide Pod. Then you'll get all these views. And people hurt themselves yeah. trying to please the algorithm God. Oh and it's very scary, God. right? That's, that's mind-blowing and intense and really sad. These are the new so, deities. These are the yeah. new de- like the 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 singularity is happening. Jesus. Okay, continue. So that is, Sorry. It's, no, yeah, you're you're. <laughs> so I find that to be quite alarming. Yeah. At the same time, another way to look at it is that a TikTok or an Instagram video is the modern equivalent of a poetic form. You know, mm-hmm. like the TikTok is the new sonnet. Hmm. Every, when people would write a sonnet, it's 14 lines, you know, A, B, the same iambic pentameter, right? Everyone's kind of doing the same thing, right. but they put their own words in it. Yeah. And no one's like, you know what? We have too many sonnets. Everyone's sonnets. Are the same. <laughs> no, I don't think anyone was like that. Yeah. Um, so then you find a way, like, how can I write the best sonnet? How? Okay, well, TikTok, this is the form. How can I make the best one of these? And so that is another way of looking at it, which is a little bit less terrifying. Mm-hmm. And if you want to take it from that approach, from the poetic approach, I think you can arrive at some fairly interesting results. So I think if you're a drummer, why not get on TikTok? Follow me at Josh Plays Drums. <laughs> <laughs> but if, uh, there's no harm in trying it out. See if it works for you. It may not work for you. You know, it's very overwhelming. There's a lot of things on there that are like crazy. But there's also a ton of creative things happening that aren't happening on other other platforms. Right. There's this culture of duetting, which I think is the coolest feature ever on any social media platform, where essentially what you can do is you see a video on TikTok, you can hit a button that says duet, and then you can add yourself to the video. Like, so it's in a split screen. Yeah. People can give commentary, or if you're a musician, you can add your own instrument to whatever someone else is doing. So if you're a drummer, you can lay down a beat. Then someone on TikTok could see that and add bass. Wow. 
And it's a great way to have virtual jam sessions. So you can do that on Instagram, but it like it's a matter of like screen grabbing that video or getting the person to send it to you, and then you record it separately and you edit it in iMovie. And but like with TikTok, this is built in. It's built in. It's a built in feature, and it's the oh. best part. It's the best part of TikTok, and I love it because I'll make these rhythms of comedy things, and then amazing musicians add piano mm-hmm. or they add bass, and they bring it to a whole other level. And that is, or people have tap danced to my videos. Someone pole danced to one of them. <laughs> it's just someone um, like did accordion, French yeah. horn, like all these crazy instruments that I never would have expected. And they're, they're learning my beats. Right, right. It's really fun. And, and it's these, a great way to interact these, with other musicians. Sorry, sorry. All these result in more followers for you, more exposure. More, like they go to your Instagram, they follow you there. Right. And that's what it's all about. Exposure, it's all about of course. Because everybody knows. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you, can I'm exchange, kidding, but... you can exchange exposure for goods and services. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know, I honestly am surprised that the thing keeps growing. Because I feel like, okay, I must have gotten all the drum comedy people. Right, right. <laughs> but no, people people seem to, can't get, they can't get enough of these things. Yeah. So I keep making them. Because I, I, I enjoy it. And they, they enjoy it too. But yeah, I think TikTok is a great place for musicians because of that feature. And, you know, it's kind of the TikTok, it's mainstream now. You can't watch the news yeah. without, at some point, they're like, and this on TikTok today. Right. Like, can you believe this? It's mainstream now. Totally. So try it, see if it works. And if it doesn't work, it's not the end of the world. Right. Sure, sure. Um, you, you know, you, you mentioned that like, you don't consider yourself a a social media expert, but you did write an article for today.com about eight (laughs) tips of, you know, is it eight tips about going viral? Uh, yeah, Yeah. it's Josh's tips on how to go viral. So I guess I am a guru, (laughs) (laughs) but I wanted to mention a couple of them. Like they're, they're all useful, but the ones that stuck out to me were, uh, be authentic, aesthetics matter. And, uh, the most important thing beyond uh you know appeasing the algorithm is quality just make it good you know yeah um so we've we've talked about those sort of uh aspects of your social media presence in various ways but like those all sort of resonated with me like be authentic you know don't obviously don't try to be something you're not don't uh front with bullshit (laughs) um because people can smell that um i think especially in the music world um and so uh, like the one that resonated with me with me the most was aesthetics matter um Hmm. unpack that a little bit i well what are what are you curious about just uh, like um what aspects of say a TikTok video would you say fall under the aesthetics uh, umbrella? Yeah, well, all the any anything you do on the computer or your phone, visual first. I mean, like on the social media, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, visual platform. So the first impression that someone gets of your content is visual. Mm-hmm. Uh, think about on Instagram, right? I say this in the article. How often are you scrolling through Instagram? You don't even have the sound on. Yeah. So you want your videos to look good. And also one thing that I have since learned is that the like TikTok and Instagram have written their algorithms in such a way that they want to push out content that is like filmed on a good camera, HD, Mm -hmm. 
because that's pleasing yeah. to look at. So when I, if you look at some of my earlier videos, like bef- before I started doing rhythms of comedy, even the first couple of rhythms of comedy, I'm in like a gross t-shirt. My hair is not, it's just, you know, it's like greasy and bad. The lighting is, there is no lighting. Right. <laughs> um, I had like, you know, the foam panels on the, which I don't know if those do anything. I saw people ha- like had those and I was like, Oh, let me get those. Those are cool. I'll put those on my wall. Uh, <laughs> and they're like kind of askew and they're falling off and the shot is awful and it's blurry. I mean, it looks bad. Yeah. So, and even if my drumming was sick, you know, I, I got this Neil Pert filled down. I nailed it. Right. Who cares? Right. You know, it's, the video has got to look good. Try to look good yourself. I think it's, it can be shallow, but it's, it's a good thing because you know, if you're a performer, same thing. You, it's about how you look. That's part of it. Yeah, right. Totally. If you're a you're, chef, like you know, chefs say all the time, people eat with their eyes first. And I had a a, a band leader that I worked for in L.A. Like it was it was a, a retro swing outfit, and he was you know I'd I'd gotten this gig, and and he was explaining to me the importance of like buying some actual vintage suits for the shows. And he was like, you know, we're a band, but people listen with their eyes first. Like you walk on stage in a vintage suit and right away that puts people in this mind frame of like, oh shit, this is like, this is a thing. (laughs) Yeah, you know, definitely. It's the same what you're talking about. Like if you scroll across a video, your first visual impression of that is going to make the decision. Like, is this a thing or is this not a thing? And if, if, like you said, the lighting is dog shit or you're wearing a shitty t-shirt or the angle is weird or whatever, people will be like, this is not a thing. (laughs) Totally. Um, the principle from psychology is called visual capture. Hmm. Eat with your eyes first, right? Yeah. yeah. The brain prioritizes vision above other senses in terms of what is an important thing. Right. So, uh, evolutionarily. Yeah. The same thing. So, yeah, I think it's important. I I try not to go crazy with it, but I also enjoy experimenting with the look uh, of it. One subtle thing I do, I don't know if this, but I have a I have a light, and you can adjust the color temperature of the light, mm-hmm. and I change it for every video. Huh. So I some videos I take it more blue, other times I go with more orange tint, and I try to change the colors and the lighting very very slightly every time so that way when someone sees my video they're like oh it looks a little different and right. it's just like a, like it's very subtle subconscious thing where they want to then okay let me just watch for another second yeah it looks a little different i i think it's a so i try to do little things like that i try not to wear the same shirt in two videos in a row mm-hmm. you just try just mix it up but keep it looking keep it looking nice you know polish it yeah at the same time if you have an aesthetic you know something like Wolfpack, right yep they had that lo-fi thing, which is awesome. And that, ins- that inspired a movement. You know, everyone now was doing that. Right. They, you know, you zoom in on something and it's really blurry. That's another thing, right? The, half the band of Wolfpack, I mean, they sell their own font, <laughs> right? Right. So it's an aesthetic thing. Aesthetic, that's what I, when I'm saying aesthetics matter, I think that's what I mean. Yeah. My, the thing that I've come upon is like this really polished, kind of nice, well-lit sort of thing. 
but maybe your aesthetic is more like that. Maybe you're a grunge type of person and you want to have that kind of look. It, you know, right. Just, and you found like you're, you're touching on something I think is really important because you've, you've found an aesthetic for yourself, but you're finding ways to create variety within that aesthetic. And yeah. nothing is more boring to me than uh, a, a drummer, especially who like every single video is from the same angle with the same filter, uh, the same zoom, like it, it's, you know, everything like is just exactly the same. And I, I scroll across their video and it's like, oh, there's another one of those videos. I don't care what he's playing because it yeah. looks exactly the same. Well, you have to just kind of, it's like Steve dad, you just have to think about it, right? What are you doing? Are you making a record? Not really. You're making a video. You're a video maker if you're putting content on Instagram or TikTok or anywhere. So make a good video. Yeah. For, that's what I would, you know, think you should do. Right. Put some and thought it takes into some, it. it takes, yeah. Take some practice. It just, you know, it's just as easy to make something that's really good as it is to make something that's pretty good. Hmm. Right. If you're going through the effort of setting up your camera and you're going to record yeah. it and edit it and you're going to learn whatever drum thing you want to do. You might as well, I don't put a plant in there. Like make a, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. how hard is that? That's so right. at the if same time, if you're spending a couple hundred bucks on a camera, spend a little more on a light. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's so it, it ends up being worth it and it can be a lot of fun. You know, you're just learning a new skill and it's a new way to express yourself. So, but I, I don't go too crazy or anything. Right. The, again, the aesthetic is not what's going to make it. What's going to like make it go viral or, or make your video a success? It's really about the content above all, the story that you want to tell. Yeah, that's more important. Yeah, make it just it, helps. Right, right. Um, the last thing I want to ask you about is uh, just how how you envision uh, moving forward with this um, post COVID. Uh, you know, it, it, it seems like you have this, you, you have three, uh, irons in the fire as far as, you know, drumming and, and, um, comedy and literature <laughs> basically. Um, so, you know, what, what are your, uh, plans or aspirations for this? Um, and then sort of a along with that, um, have you figured out ways to, uh, monetize, uh, your, virality Ooh, monetize your virality <laughs> uh okay i will take these questions in the reverse order okay i'm using my repeat game recall to remember this very long question monetize virality um yes in that um i have merch coming out soon really uh, excited excellent. about it yeah yeah uh, and it's, I'm really pumped. I'm excited for that Two, people have started to hire me for projects just from seeing my stuff on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Uh, like Charlie Poof hired me yeah. to play on a demo of his when they paid me a ton of money for, <laughs> <laughs> for 30 seconds of drums, yeah. which I, when that happened, I was like, okay. I am, a, I am a professional musician now. Yeah. Cause that, that was like, that's like major artists giving me a ton of money for like 20 seconds of backbeat. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which was, I mean, that was so cool. 
And I recorded the whole thing from my basement on my Zoom mic, and that's it. Wow. <laughs> uh, so that that was really fun. I'm a little pissed at you right now, Josh. I gotta say. <laughs> well, I, you know, I I record everything. I haven't changed the heads of my drum set since I got it when I was in high school. Wow. My cymbals are all cracked. Uh, the thing is like a disaster. I only have the one Zoom mic. The room sounds horrible. Everything is terrible. But I. <laughs> Uh, even with those foam panels, which do not do anything, I, I <laughs> but I try. So with, with that, I like that in a way, I think it might be time to actually get an actual recording setup soon, but I like that it challenges me to make it sound good coming out of the drums. Absolutely. And it doesn't sound bad. Like it it sounds fine. You know, you, yeah. you kind of, you kind of bagging on your own sound there, but like you're, you're doing fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, the recording setup I have is very minimal. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that much about recording or anything. I just know about through drumming. But, I, okay, I, so knew, I knew next to nothing about recording before COVID, and and everything you see here has just been my COVID project about learning Logic and learning how to track drums and not make it sound like shit. Um, yeah, it looks. I mean, it looks cool from what I'm seeing. Thanks. That's 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 something I'd, I'd like to learn more about. But yeah, so monetizing. So there's that. So you mentioned uh, you mentioned merch and you mentioned like other work that comes from that. Um, yeah. But I, I think people have this conception, especially young people. Um, it's it's like you mentioned about like the the algorithm gods. Like there's this perception that like you come up with something popular and then the internet just throws money at you. Like people say, I want to be a YouTuber. You know, um, if if that does happen, I would love for it to happen to me. <laughs> uh, I I mean. For me, rhythms of comedy or making videos, it's not a money-making venture for me. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing it so I can try to get some kind of sponsor. So then I could be like, oh, when I am drumming, I always dry my hands with a Bed Bath & Beyond towel. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I'm, not, I'm not really that interested. Although if there's sponsors listening to this, hey, come on. Hey, man. Some email, but, every every uh, man has a price. Every man yeah. has a price, Josh. I will hawk your towel for $2,000. <laughs> but I, um, yeah, I'm really just doing it because I like doing it. I think it's really fun. It combines two quirky parts of my personality, and I get to connect with people. People, people write me things. Um that you know like josh i was having a really bad day and i saw your video and it just made me smile thank you so much mm -hmm. Come on. so that's that's more the reason why i'm doing it i'm lucky in that i do have a job during the day which does take a lot of time and i can't make as many videos but i'm able to make money that way and this i'm doing as my own thing for fun in the future post-covid i would like to make this my thing mm -hmm. and that being a performer and coming up with some, some something unique to say in that regard, I have an idea. It's a small kernel of an idea, which is to turn rhythms of comedy into a one-man show mm -hmm. where it would be original stories from my life, comedic and serious, combined with drums. Like, you know, I saw Antonio Sanchez do Birdman. I did live. too. And like he, I was going to, I was going to bring him up because I like, I envisioned the same thing for you. You could have like a comedic version of what he did with that movie. And I, I don't know how you feel about it. I think it's one of the most incredible fucking things I've ever seen any drummer do ever. 
Oh, I have chills just thinking about it. Yeah. I, I have goosebumps right now. Yeah. I mean, that night, I actually, I just tried to slide into his DMs last night. <laughs> 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 That's the other thing, which is great about Instagram. The more followers you have, the easier it is for people to see your message because they, they, like, they, it gets ranked based on how many followers each person has. On Instagram or TikTok? On Instagram, yeah. So, wait, like if you have, that. If you ha- let's say you have 10,000 followers, right? When someone goes to check their inbox and they have a DM with, from someone who has 10,000 followers and someone who has 500, they see that, the, one, the person with more followers first. Jesus. Like it ranks them. In, yeah. So now it's become easier for me to slide into people's DMs who I want to work with or something because my message goes to the top. Right. Which is great. Wow. So I, I now have confidence. I'm like, hey, Mr. Sanchez, I am a big fan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, whatever. I don't think he's going to respond, but if he does, it would make my day. Because he's a hero. <laughs> And I saw him do Birdman live. I could not sleep for two nights after yeah. that. Yeah. The and then you so you saw that thing too, right? Yeah. Where he yeah. Did, and then he does that big solo at the end. Yep. Where he like extended it. I almost kind, cried. It was kind of during the credits, right? Yeah, during the credits. Like and then he, he just takes of, it. Yeah. Jesus. It destroyed me. It just yeah. But isn't that isn't that funny? Like you think about people being moved by a really beautiful Chopin piece on the piano, right? Mm-hmm. Or someone plays a, a guitar solo and there's like got all this emotion and soul on it and it moves you. But for someone to do that on the drums, yeah, that is special. Yeah. And I, I've always, that is sort of my North Star field, what I'm really going after. So how can I say something emotional, using this weird thing, the drums, like right. metal plates and plastic circles. What is it, you know? And to watch Antonio Sanchez do it with such flying colors, such great success, such effortlessness. Yeah. It, it moved me the way people talk about, I don't know, like hearing Aretha Franklin sing. Like, right. to me, it's like the same experience that people talk about, like when they see some amazing or like, you know, it was like the Mona Lisa. Yeah. It's like unbelievable. Totally. So I would love, I'd love to do something just like that. <laughs> uh, no. So the, my idea is basically sort of inspired by that and where I would be, I guess there'd be video components and me talking and playing at the same time Yeah. and to create a one man show rhythms of comedy. I think yeah. it'd be fun. It, it would be totally fun. And I, you know, I'm, I've, I've been a comedy fan for a long time myself and, and, um, it there's it there, there just seems like so much possibility to like you said combine um you know video elements of maybe even other comedians like it it could just be this multifaceted show of like you know the video the drums your own comedy right uh and and just t- finding different ways to combine all those um who was the comic yeah. that who was the comic that did um uh it was Dave Chappelle's writing partner i can't remember his name um, Neil Brennan. Yes, he did that show like a year ago. That was like in three different s- parts. The, the three Mike specials. So yes. You've got one for like straight up comedy, one liners, and then emotional stuff. Right. Really great special. Actually, I was talking to Neil Brennan uh, not too long ago. Oh, and did I'm you slide do into of... his inbox too? <laughs> he follows me. He made my day. Nice. Um, so I am going to do one of his. I'm really excited about it. I'm going to try to find a, a joke. From one of his specials he's he's great he has he's someone who has like a great point of view yeah i love that about him uh and he, like he did yeah. kind of what um 
kind of what Antonio Sanchez did with Birdman. Like he took his skill set, he took what he did and was able to um, just present it in a, a few different contexts and the different ways that he combined those contexts resulted in just such a cool show. And it was like, at times it was laugh out loud, hilarious. And at other times it was like, holy shit, just devastating, yeah. you know? Um, and so you could, I, I think you could totally, uh, just come up like, like I said, some sort of alchemy with, you know, the different things that you do and the different ways that you're able to, to combine them. Well, I'll tell you one part of it that I have kind of rattling around in my brain would be to take a bunch of old home movies Hmm. And incorporate that into the rhythmic aspect, story aspect of it, mm-hmm. and sort of have it be. There's a guy named Adam Wade. He's a storyteller who like is big in the moth circuit, mm-hmm. and he's a mentor to me. And he has some comedy albums on Spotify that are really great. And he just tells these personal stories, and they're really funny. It's not quite stand-up comedy, and it's, but it's kind of like its own thing. And he just is very genuine and very earnest, and I love that kind of thing. Yeah. So I'd love to, yeah, it's, I think the, you get magic whenever you do something interdisciplinary. Yeah. I like to say this a lot. So I'm taking music and comedy, combining it together. You take drums and storytelling, you put that together. Yeah. You take, uh, like drums and storytelling are old friends. Like, yeah. I mean, it, the drum was created to send messages to tell stories. Right. Uh, so that's when you think about that, when you go to play the drums, it becomes very moving that people for thousands and thousands of years have been doing this weird thing, hitting these things to say something. It's like a uniquely kind of human thing. Yeah. Which can be, I mean, I should, you shouldn't think about that. Like every time you go to, you know, (laughs) just like, all right, I just want to practice, you know, playing to a click on a whatever, but uh, yeah, there's just something about the drums that is special. Mm-hmm. And so as drummer, as a drummer, I feel very lucky to be a part of that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's great to see you, man. And, and I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, what, what the next chapter of it brings, uh, for you. Uh, it's, it's gonna, I'm sure it's going to be hilarious and, and awesome, <laughs> whatever it is. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, this is, this is really great. And, um, with any interview that I, that I've done, I, I'm very excited that I'm doing these interviews now because I feel like I'm just starting out and I can't wait to listen to these in, you know, 10 years <laughs> and be like, wow, what a dumb kid. Uh, what, he had all these ideas. He's talking about like poetry or whatever. What is, what is he talking about? So, um, I, I don't, I yeah. don't think that's going to happen unless things go really South and you're just like, like this bitter mid thirties dude playing in like a, a really terrible wedding band three nights a week. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> I don't think yeah, that's going like, to happen. <laughs> I used to talk about like the, the human element of drumming and now I'm playing September <laughs> <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't, so, I don't see that happening. I don't see that happening, man. It was, it was great talking to you. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me on. I mean, you've had some of the greatest drummers ever on this on the show so it's really an honor to be to be in their company and to talk to you so thank you very much great talk thanks again to josh check him out on the internets he's easy to find and be on the lookout for his next chapter next week matthew kraus will be bringing you part two of his talk with anthony grimani of sonatus usa most of us who are recording at home are in a spare bedroom a garage a basement etc so last week was all about 
how to use acoustic treatments to get the best drum sounds possible out of a space like that. Next week, Matt and Anthony will be talking about isolation or soundproofing, which is also necessary for many of us to stay in the good graces of our family and neighbors. Tons of great info in both episodes, lots of acoustic best practices, and some really affordable acoustic solutions, whether with Sonatus USA's products or the DIY route. So hope you check those out. Until then, stay safe, stay sane, and thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers.